my name is Matt Morgan. I work as an intensive care consultant in Cardiff and I've been asked what do you wish you had known as a new ICU consultant? I guess for me the thing that is really helpful is knowing that there's sometimes not certainty in the things that we do and in fact if I love you are the most important words in the English language probably the most important words in medicine are I don't know and I think that's taken me a while to kind of admit to myself and be able to say to patients to families and to other colleagues to actually say the words I don't know it can be quite nerve-wracking when you say that but contained in that phrase I think there's two important things firstly there's hope hope in terms of when you say I don't know it means that maybe there is a chance of getting better although that chance may be low it may be there and I think also saying I don't know opens the doors to trying to find out whether that's through applied research whether it's through further reading or education or reflection but I think it allows you or gives you the chance to find out more so definitely the thing going forward is thinking about the phrase I don't know My name is Shagan Olusanya and I've been asked to answer the question what do I wish I had known as a new ICM trainee? It's both an easy and a difficult one. It's difficult because I've been a trainee for a very long time, since 2008. But it's also easy in that despite all the time I spent training, it all comes back to the same thing. The thing I'd wished I'd known right at the start is the importance of compassion. It's very easy to think that ICM is a very sterile specialty and it's all about numbers and pathophysiology and lines and tubes and prognosis and calculations. But it's not really about that at all. The core of intensive care has always been and will always be human beings and their interactions with one another. We do ICM because bad things have happened to people and we want to get them back to a state where they can either reconnect to their loved ones or where their loved ones can say goodbye to them. So we spend our whole time repairing relationships and this requires compassion. We spend our whole time interacting with other people's specialties and other people in different specialties, often at times when things have gone horribly wrong and that requires compassion. We spend a lot of our time dealing with each other at periods of severe stress when people are severely unwell and that also requires compassion and we spend a lot of time poring over death and disability and wondering what we could have done to make things better that requires compassion and last but not least we have moments to celebrate where things have gone well people have survived people have gone back to life and enjoying life worth living and to appreciate that requires more compassion than you can imagine and it starts with us it starts with being compassionate with ourselves remembering what life is what love is what poetry is what beauty is what pain is what sorrow is it's about being a complete total and very human being. I wish I'd known that sooner 
I would have spent a lot more of my time reading philosophy and art and politics and romance and mythology, learning how to be a better human being. It's not too late for me, so I'm going to start doing that now. And it's not too late for you either. So, hello to anybody who's listening. Um, my name is Alex Scott. I'm a ICM consultant in the James Cook in Middlesbrough. And Matt Bromley of uh, LGI has asked me to record just a little informal thing about uh, what I wish I'd known as uh, a new consultant in ITU. Really difficult topic to think about because there was an awful lot. I think the two biggest learning curves in my career were that moment when I got handed my bleep as a house officer many years ago. Uh, And then... That second big learning curve, which is as big or even bigger as becoming the boss and suddenly becoming a consultant. And I had no idea how big a step it was. Um, the sudden changes. So I was a registrar on a Tuesday and a consultant in the same trust on a Wednesday in my first consultant job. Um, and very, very suddenly, uh, I walked into the changing rooms and the core trainees who I'd been out for a drink with before. Uh, started calling me Dr. Scott instead of Alex. And very soon after that, I realised that people were uh, not keen to tell me things they thought I wouldn't want to hear and were very, very keen to seem to have been working incredibly hard and have to handled everything and to um, have everything under control. So the, the things I wished I'd learned really as a registrar was how to deal with that and how to delegate main job as a consultant is the coordination of care to check everything has happened and keep an oversight and dot the I's and cross the T's to deal with the families to decide who gets what rather than what the what is and you really do have to delegate an awful lot of technical detail to other people and that I found incredibly difficult I'm all about the details and attention to detail even in hobbies and It's increasingly difficult to do that as a consultant. There's so much going on. There's so much more important in terms of effort than remembering exactly what somebody with creatinine was seven days ago. Of having the details of what that patient would want if they could communicate, of where we are with updating their family, what the ongoing plan is. And an awful lot of stuff has to be delegated constantly and consistently. If you can, on day one... Master the art of delegating politely, of asking people to do things without ordering them to, um, or even better, of getting people to think of things for themselves and do them, and monitoring that process. It's a large part of the art of being a good consultant, especially when it comes to training and supervising juniors. Ben Jones and I'm a consultant in intensive care and respiratory medicine, uh, working in the University Hospital of Wales in Cardiff and have worked there ever since uh, the 1st of April 2020. I've been asked to reflect back on what it would have been useful to know when I started off as a new consultant uh, that I didn't know at the time but have learned uh, over the last 12 months. 
I find this as a, an idea sort of too intangible to generate a quick response to. So instead, what I've done is uh, think back about uh, working as a new consultant in the midst of a global pandemic for the past 12 months. And when I think about it, this time last year, uh, I'd recently returned from France, having had a wonderful holiday in Loire with my uh, wife and daughter, uh, and began preparing uh, for my first day at work as a consultant. I felt I spent a lot of time uh, during training, uh, sort of musings and thoughts about what my first day or week or month would be like as a new consultant. And then you gradually realise that most of that doesn't matter at all. Uh, it doesn't matter what shoes or trousers or tie you want to wear, uh, what bag you put your things in or whether you have an office or not. These aren't the important things uh, for life as a consultant. And in a way, for me, my first year as a consultant has been boiled down uh, in both my uh, sort of professional and personal life uh, to that which is truly most important. And for that, uh, I have much to be grateful for, actually. I think the single most important thing I've realised in the past 12 months is uh, the importance of relationships. And integral to that comes communication. Knowledge, research updates, practical signals, rotors, presentations all have their place in supporting our work. But relationships are key to our role. These are professional relationships with our patients and their families and friends. Uh, they're with our co-workers, our nurses, our physios, our pharmacists, occupational therapists, healthcare support workers, radiographers, junior doctors, secretarial staff and a myriad of specialty colleagues uh, within the hospital I work, uh, but also with specialty colleagues and friends that I've trained with uh, over years working elsewhere. And as well as that, it's also related to our personal relationships, uh, relationships beyond the hospital with our spouses, partners, parents, grandparents, children, friends, uh, and the people we don't see as much as we usually do. It's these relationships and how we communicate in them that is the part of my role I undervalued when I first started out as a consultant, but I see is more and more fundamental to everything that we do. Phone conversations or FaceTime chat are not how I envisaged speaking to families 12 months later, uh, and not when they see yet another private number ringing about their dad or their wife or their son. But for now, it is our way of life, and like it or not, it is the best that we can do. For now. Openness and honesty, uh, as with all things we do, are the ways to deal with this difficulty. And also, uh, curiosity uh, helps us build pictures of the patients that we uh, no longer get when our relatives come in to see them face to face every day. I ask, what do they do? What do they do for a living? Uh, who do they like to spend time with? Who's their family? Who are these in their pictures? What do they enjoy? What do they like listening to? And much like communicating with relatives, Collaborating with colleagues is another crucial aspect of consultant life I underappreciated. Uh, I may well be working in my hospital for 30 plus years, and then when you realise that, when you're addressing issues and concerns uh, between specialties, you see that collaboration or a spirit of cooperation is the best way forwards. That's not to say that uh, my registrar years could have been spent developing further skills of diplomacy and negotiation, uh, as these are key. But also, aspiring to be the best version of yourself will be the best way to discuss problems and differences, rather than through confrontation and, and argument. However, for now, I appreciate that uh, everyone can have a bad day, me included, and you don't always know what's happening in other people's lives when they're going through these bad days. Twelve months in, and I still don't work what would be my job plan outside of, of a pandemic. 
However, I am enormously humbled and privileged to have been uh, running an intensive care and respiratory COVID follow-up clinic for most of that time. And this is where uh, I can see the value and the reason for what I do in intensive care and what we do in intensive care throughout the country. As when you see your patients walk through the door of clinic, some looking grateful, some curious, some bewildered why they're here. But also we see some struggling and it's hard to see those people that, that are struggling still three or four or six months after they've left intensive care. But I think this is vital for us to see too, because even with these people, we can help talk about their experiences, even if I can't help them in their current existence. But also, as intensivists, we need to see the effects of our work in everyone, whether that be positive or negative, because our patients' lives continue after their discharge from intensive care, and what we do dramatically influences this. The other side of life as a new consultant that I probably didn't appreciate or envisage, uh, even in the peak of a pandemic, is that of the effect on my family life. For my trainee colleagues who, in the midst of long weekends, nights, uh, viva practice uh, for yet another exam, I would tell them all, if they're passionate still about intensive care, all of this work is worth it. I'm fortunate enough to have a wonderful wife who's a geriatrician uh, and an amazing daughter who, 12 months into a pandemic, uh, is taking it all still in her stride, uh, even if that stride involves a 45-mile commute to and from work and nursery, because a pandemic, unfortunately, has not been the best time uh, to buy and sell a house uh, near my place of work. I work hard, but I get more time off now uh, with my family uh, than I did as a trainee, and for that, I'm truly grateful. Uh, even in a pandemic, it's been helpful because life is stripped back down now to what I think is the essentials, uh, whether that's a bike ride or a picnic, or uh, watching a small child relentlessly climbing on a climbing frame for hours on end. And it's all these experiences and spending time with family that rejuvenates us all and particularly rejuvenates me. It reminds me to enjoy the little things in life. And my only other point uh, I now appreciate in our role as a consultant is in looking to the future. Uh, and that's making our job sustainable and attractive to trainees, either in our local units or across the country for everyone. Uh, but also by being role models and for advocating for our patients and staff. For me, this also extends to showing the benefit of dual training in intensive care and respiratory medicine, and that I hope in time there will be a lot more of us. The other aspect of the future we need to take more interest in, and not just in our professional life but personal too, is the impact that we have on the environment and fostering sustainability on this front as well. For me, life as a new consultant has been exceptionally rewarding and also exceptionally challenging. It has shown me the importance of our relationships, both professional and personal, uh, and also the key role of communication within the work that we do, um, but also that our patients and their families should always remain at the core of everything we do. Uh, and the single prompt I have now whenever I go to work is to always aspire to be the best version of myself. Because if you do that, you can't ask much more of yourself than everything you do. Hello, my name is Ben Ivory. I'm a consultant in intensive care and anaesthetics at Torbay Hospital in South Devon. And for the last four years, I've also been the national education lead for organ donation with NHS blood and transplant. 
I've been asked to record something for this podcast. It's, um, it's what I wish I knew um, before becoming a consultant. Um, and what I'd like to do is just go over a few things that I think have become increasingly obvious to me are very important over the last six years of, of being in my first consultant post. I still feel very, relatively fresh to the role and as if I'm one of the, the new boys. So the first thing I'd say is when you're looking at where to go for a consultant job and where you want to apply, I would suggest you look at your potential colleagues. These are people who you are potentially going to be spending more time with than some of your nearest and dearest family at home. The second thing I'd say is don't be afraid of looking at smaller units and smaller hospitals. It's sometimes described particularly from people who are um, embedded in large teaching hospitals, the big ivory towers, that actually nothing of anything worth can happen when you start working in a DGH. Say so I'm at Torbay, we are a medium-sized DGH, our unit is um, 14 physical beds. Um, and we are a run-of-the-mill DGH in a sleepy town on the south coast of Devon. And yet with the, within the people I work with, I work with John Carlyle, who has um, produced some of the world-leading um, research onto research fraud. He's um, done extensive work with Mike Swart between the two of them. They've looked at risk stratification, the use of CPEX um, for intensive care, risk stratification um, in elective surgery. We have within our anaesthetic department, um, Mary Stocker and Dave Montgomery, who have revolutionised day case in the UK. And it's not just within our small unit. If you look at um, Tim Cook from Bath, Chris Froat from Northampton, these are people, world leaders in their fields, based out of smaller units and producing world-leading research. So please don't think that because you're applying for a job in a, a smaller DGH that you can't do interesting things with your career. And so I was lucky enough to be appointed as the National Education League for Organ Donation, a job which allows me to travel all over, all over the country teaching about organ donation and meeting people from in, um, a huge number of units. I come from a, a unit which actually does very little organ donation, but that hasn't stopped me in that particular part of my career. And that really brings me on to my third point. Um, that's to say that I think we're often told that, that no is a complete sentence and don't say yes to any new roles when you first get appointed. I fundamentally disagree with that. So the, the bit of my job that I probably enjoy the most at the moment is my role with NHS Blood and Transplant. And it's a role I fell into accidentally because my first day in the trust and my new consultant job, I was asked if I wanted to take over the clinical lead for organ donation job. Something I'd never thought about, had very little knowledge of, but said yes to because I thought, well, what have I got to lose? And that has led me over the years down to a road where I've got a national leadership role within um, this area. And if I'd gone with that advice of just say no to everything until you've got six months in and you know what you want to do, I would never have been in the position I am now. So I think saying yes allows you to take opportunities that you may not know you that are there. For many of us coming off the end of training, and certainly the case for me, I had no idea where my um, special interest lay. For a very few people, I think they're lucky enough that they know that ultrasound is their thing or that academic research with the university um, academic department behind them is their thing. For the vast majority of us, actually, you don't really find out what you enjoy to enjoy doing um, within intensive care and season until you've actually got a chance to try things. And so much of training is a treadmill going through, getting the right boxes ticked to get the right um, the ARCP signed off so you get the right ticket in the end. That actually, that first year in the consultant job, 
it gives you a chance to really find out and bed in and find out what your interest, where your interests lie. So say yes to things. You can always roll back on those extra roles over the next few years, and that's something that I've done. I've kept on the things that I wanted to do, and I've rolled back on the things that actually I've discovered I had less, less interest for. So I would say take those opportunities when they first arise within um, that, that first year or so of your consultant job because you never quite know where they're going to lead you. Fourth thing I wanted to say was just a, uh, something for really when you start in a new consultant role, it's very tempting to think that you've got that consultant ticket, you've got your CCT, you've got the job, and the expectation is now that you have to run things on your own, that you should be completely independent of everybody else. And the thing that I've discovered as I've gone further and further through my career is that the older I get, the more likely I am to ask for help and ask for a second opinion. Um, I, so for me, I think if you're in doubt, phone a friend. If nothing else, phoning a friend and running through a story to ask for advice will make you articulate the story that you've got in your head and actually hearing it out loud may be enough so you know exactly what the answer is. But sometimes it's very useful and I've had my, my mind changed on a number of occasions by phoning colleagues on grey cases hearing their side come back to me and actually realising that fair enough with that new way of thinking I'll do something slightly differently and it really brings me back to my first point that you want to be in a department where it's okay to phone a friend within the department I work in there's an expectation that grey or difficult decisions will be discussed with another consultant colleague whether that's day, night, weekend or weekday and certainly I've had phone calls at three in the morning particularly with regards to organ donation questions, so I'm extremely happy to answer. And you want to be working in a unit where you know that if the ship really hits the fan, then you can rely on your colleagues to come and help you day or night, rain or shine. I say I'm extremely lucky that all of these things have worked out for me here in Torbay, um, and that is partly through luck um, and the fact that I happen to end up in a, a hospital that I've... Um, come to thoroughly enjoy working in but also the fact that when I was looking for those consultant jobs I looked at the people I wanted to work with and see um, what it was that I thought was going to make me happy in 10 or 20 years time. Mm-hmm.